0: Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 21 of the podcast, We just keep going and going, don't we? As usual, great guest. I will get into that in a moment after I get through some of my not-so-random thoughts today. I actually have something cool to share. So, as some of you know, I've been working far too long on getting our capital-raising company launched Wind River Equity Partners. It is set up to do a short-term rental fund with the great people over at TechFester. And I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea what I'm doing as far as the legal stuff and the accounts and all that. They've walked me through and they've been great, but I'm like, hey, I'm a marketer. I'm a relationship guy, which is why I know I'll be good at this, but I'm just very transparent walking into this stuff like, hey, it's intimidating, so I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So Anyway, I thought I would share today kind of our our initial marketing approach with that company. So my wife, Carmen, is already been pushing this podcast, I believe, to that LinkedIn page, and we push it to Intentionally Inspirational, our main digital marketing company as well. And I kind of set these companies up to cross-pollinate one another, right? So even in my newsletter for Intentionally Inspirational and on my website, there's links to Wind River. So driving some curious eyeballs over there, but I am literally going to start with this approach with our marketing. It's going to be couple newsletters a week, and it's going to really be documenting my journey into this process, right? I'm an investor myself, but documenting the journey and education-focused, why short-term rentals are something else for people to consider beyond multifamily, right? Something a little different. So the reason I'm telling you this, because I, I have the conversation at least five times a week with the new people that I talk to. For this business for the main business intentionally inspirational when i'm talking to them about my active campaign project for capital raisers people often are like man i don't know what to talk about i don't know what to talk about in my newsletter i don't know what to talk about in my marketing i don't know what to make posts on and i just say hey when in doubt document your journey which terrifies people most people won't do it because they don't want others to know that they have no idea what the hell they're doing guess what none of us do when we're starting anything new when a baby learned to walk, they didn't know what it was doing when it was wobbling all around like a newborn baby deer. Nah, just, babies just figure it out. Right? They just try and don't care what it looks like and get it rolling. So Same thing that worked for me in this business and uh, process-wise, we'll figure it out in the new one as well. But I'm sharing this. I'm being vulnerable. I'm saying, hey, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but guess what? I'll play to my strengths and I'll do what we do best and it'll all work out fine. I would like to believe when I sit down to cut into that Christmas ham later this year, I can look back and go, huh, I've learned some things. And I've raised at least a million bucks. That's what I hope I say. And next year, I'm going to do these things differently and do more. So the best thing you can do with your marketing is just get started. And it's okay to be vulnerable. I challenge you to be human in your marketing, which means it's okay if you don't know everything that's going on. Right, You can do research, you can educate folks, you can tell people what you're doing as well. Something to think about. Alright, I am talking today on the podcast with my buddy Matthew Owens, 1T and Matthew. I'll tell you what I know about him. I didn't realize this, but I have a pretty long intro for him. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, he's a CPA. He owns a couple of companies, OCG Properties, OCG Capital. He has bought, sold, renovated, and held Over a thousand single family properties. That's a whole bunch. He also does some unique stuff like private lending. He's got thirty-five million lent across the US right now to other real estate professionals. And as a capital raiser, this guy's raised over 150 million. So he's he's kind of an unassuming beast with this. Like I've met him, I've hung out with him. Well, I think we've shared stages before speaking, and you wouldn't you wouldn't even know. He's just a real humble dude. Good Southern California guy, just cool as a fan. And finally, he is the host of his own podcast, which you guys should check out, called Masters of Real Estate. Let's jump in and see what Matthew and I spoke about. All right. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Pretty good, man. And yourself? Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, no problem at all. So I know a little bit of this story, but not all of it. And it's uh, I know it's interesting. So tell me how you got started with real estate. I know you're into a bunch of different stuff, but I'm really curious to hear this story.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I I think in the beginning, I I really didn't know what to do. I was bored out of my mind working at a CPA firm doing taxes and audit and going, I, I just, it's monotonous, it's, you know, repetitive over and over again. It just really wasn't fitting my personality. And at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm just trading my time for money consistently. I'm not really getting ahead anywhere you know i wasn't really networking and you know around the right people consistently and i ended up just finding real estate from a class that my stepbrother told me about which of course i asked him how much he spent and he spent about 16 grand my mindset at the time was immediately you got jacked yeah. you know like don't don't do that don't spend money on education which of course i went to college and that was pretty much pointless education comparatively to entrepreneurship and that type of education but I actually went to the thing, I took the classes and my mindset was shifted forever where automatically I was around a different class of people that thought differently, were more self-empowering and I realized that this is a way to build cash flow streams and build my net worth and not have to constantly trade my time for money forever where these different strategies could I could implement and be able to actually build cash flow streams after that initial work, it would continue to pay me in perpetuity for the life of that investment, right? Or, you know, and obviously there's up and down years, there's volatility, there's a ton of learning that goes into that. It wasn't as easy as I originally thought. I ended up quitting my CPA from job in 2006 to go into real estate full-time. And so I was a real estate genius for about a year and a half before I got my ass handed to me and punched in the teeth pretty hard. And, you know, but to be quite honest with you, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it taught me how to stand back up. And if you have real estate investor people out there that are telling you they've never lost money or have never had these trials and tribulations, they're either not experienced enough or they're just lying to you. You know, one of the two, because everyone goes through these bumps and bruisers and getting knocked out and standing back up. And it really comes down to how often you can stand back up to be able to determine your true success and i learned that really early in my real estate career where my ego was like hey i got a 790 credit score we're flipping houses all of a sudden in 2006 i'm super dope because i just you know automatically i'm a great entrepreneur and all this meanwhile i'm thinking we're doing good as a business because my quickbooks are done because i was still a technician in my mind at that time and you realize very quickly that you are not that dope, especially when the market tanks. And it was really the market doing all of it. And I learned my biggest lessons by taking those hits for my investors. You know, I took out 200 grand on my credit cards to make sure my investors were paid back because I had a 790 credit score and 290 grand worth of empty credit card lines available to me. And so then afterwards, they started reinvesting with me because they saw what I just did for them when the market tanked. And then we started flipping and doing different projects there. And I started making $5,000 acquisition and rehab management fees. So I'm like, wow, that's a good income stream. Let me do five of those a month, every month. And so then I started really wrapping it up there and that's kind of how I got started was learning lessons the hard way, taking the punch right out the gates. And, you know, of course doing everything wrong in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Man, I love that. It's funny. As soon as you mentioned CPA firm numbers, I was like, oh
1: God, that sounds boring.
0: <laughs> I, saw, I saw you getting a little tired there. Your eyes are starting to get tired. <laughs> you know, I don't, I like numbers more than I admit that I do, because if you pay attention to numbers in business, it gives you real feedback as to what's worked. Emotionalized right. people say something's working, but the numbers are like, you're losing money. It's not working. You know what I mean? So there's validity there, but I just, man, I'm a person. I've got to have that creative freedom. i got to be able to mix things up, so I get that. But I love your story because you're a self-made dude. Anytime I meet somebody, and this might offend some people, I'm not trying to, who they've had a business given to them, or they're in a franchise, it's not the same as what you did. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. you did is you built something from nothing. So for that reason, you've gone through those deeper losses, and you've gone through the real climb and all that, and I just I really resonate with that, so it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, you you realize those hits are imperative to your success long-term because you have to be able to emotionally take that L and be able to wipe it off your shoulders. I remember a specific instance when I took a, a loss on a multifamily building that I was losing 50 grand on because I was way over budget on rehab and just was taking that loss. And I remember telling my wife, Put your hand on my chest. I don't think I could deal with this. Another hit emotionally. That's like a salary, you know, in my mind and taking this loss and one night and then the next morning, I'm like, no, I'm just not thinking big enough. How do I make this money back? What are the strategies right now that I'm not thinking about that I can make this back? And I remember that day getting a deal under contract, a multifamily deal that I knew I had a 1031 exchange buyer that needed a multifamily ASAP. And I knew this one was a good one. And so I went and I got it under contract and ended up wholesaling it to them two weeks later for $70,000 in profit. And right. at that point is when my mindset really shifted to be going, oh my God, it's just all mindset. And so anytime I have those trials and tribulations, which I still have them, I just got jacked for 400,000 plus from a contractor you know, last year. And you know, you realize you take these hits and I'm shocked that emotionally I'm like, Yeah, initially it was tough to get my mind right. But then you're able to recalibrate, control your emotions, focus on solutions. And now I'm geared up to make the most money that I think I've ever been able to make in my entire career because I started focusing. I said, why did this happen? And what can I do to make it stop happen? And I have a thing on my desk behind me now that says things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Because mindset shift in that situation by reading that changes your mindset into being able to keep your head up and look for those opportunities, which is the most important thing you can do
0: in business. I've got a funny feeling that somebody listening to this podcast at this point in the show when it comes out is going to be like, oh yeah, let's go. It's just hiring, man. I love it. It's good stuff right here.
1: Especially when you're going through the thick of a bunch of crap and you're dealing with a loss and a lot of people are seeing shifts in the market right now, they're seeing, you know, changes in interest rates and their investment plan was blown up in their face and realizing, hey, this mindset shift right here, focus on what you did wrong, what you can solve it and and how you can solve it moving forward and what things you can do to make it back as fast as possible because it's there. You're just not thinking big enough yet to make that
0: happen. You know, when you're saying that it's making me think it's really a survival instinct, right? If you're a survival for business, the emotion gets pushed aside. You're like, what do I need to do to get out of this the right way fast? But like right. they put all your energy into solutions. You can really blow your own mind as far as what's possible. So. Right. Beautiful. Right. All right. So typically, now what asset classes or markets do you focus on and why? And I know even outside of that type of investing. You do some other things as well so tell me kind of what you focus on just with investing in general
1: gotcha and and obviously we've always been taught multiple income streams but in order to do that you really have to be able to set up income streams in a way where they are managed for you and handled by your team in order to do that otherwise you're just running like a hamster wheel like crazy trying to set all these things up still do operations and all that and i still do that to a degree because i have a hard time emotionally getting pulled back in At the same time you know setting them up as keys so one of the strategies we implement because we have a good business doing it and we consistently have product is the single family side of things both buy and hold investments fix and flip investments wholesale investments seller financing type strategies on those to people's 401ks to people's 1031 exchanges to homeowners all these different exit strategies that we implement on the single family side now they are small base hit type things consistently you know creating revenue and but it's a ton of work right the renovation management side of that is massively workload heavy and management heavy to do that strategy and so we've been dialing that back quite a bit because i have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old now and i'm like i just want to coach basketball and dance in the living room with my daughter you know what i mean and (laughs) looking at that side it's like that's great to build our wealth we've now flipped over a thousand houses now and you know that's great money to come in and consistently build and now we're a specialist that understand the risk mitigation strategies and how to implement in these other asset strategies some of the other things we do is we have about 35 million now lent out to flippers in different markets around the country and I go lend it out, and I go utilize my private investors' capital, and we have our own fund to do that, and I make an interest rate spread after my investors are paid, and then we sell off the rest of those notes to banks and insurance companies and make interest rate spreads on that money consistently, and we can provide capital to fix and flip investors, to buy and hold investors, and things like that. That's one other strategy. Another strategy we utilize is value add multifamily. Now, you gotta be careful because of the interest rate changes, some of the lending issues that you're seeing out there right now a lot of investors are coming getting into trouble by buying the wrong type of multifamily or just getting the wrong financing up front where you got to be real careful of that short term financing to do your value add into a refinance right now much safer position to get that initial long term financing set up from the start so that you're in a much better stabilized position than having that interest rate risk issue that is coming up so you know looking at it from that perspective is key but we also do major value add where full construction down to the studs types projects where i'm going to be into this thing for 65 percent of the market value or the after repaired value or less And I need to be able to improve to like a seven cap or better on those types of projects to make the numbers work correctly for those types of deals. So if you're gonna buy those now, mitigating risk across the board is massive importance on those types of projects. So those three primary methods are the main strategies we implement. Some of the other big things that I see a lot of investors doing right now that we're getting involved with are subject to deals and buying properties subject to the existing financing, because there's a lot of people that have very low interest rate type loans in place that can't sell and even break even on their projects after realty fees and some repair costs and things like that on their projects. Because of those interest rate changes, it becomes a big asset being able to buy that debt, right? Uh, I also raised a lot of capital for syndications and invest myself In all these different asset classes, all these markets around the country and all these different operators to be fully diversified so that I have my active side on the fix and flipping and the lending and the multifamily side. I also have my passive side because you got to be able to set this up for yourself to build passive cash flow streams also. So there's some great strategies out there. You don't have to just wholesale or just fix and flip. You can add value in all these different strategies and bring resources to the table to make money in all these different ways, which is really, really cool to me to be able to diversify and be able to stick and move and, you know, watch out for that left hook that knocked me out in the beginning, right? So it's being able to maneuver and have multiple options available depending on what's changing in the market.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, I learned a bit about that from you earlier when I was on your podcast, actually. And I was like, nobody else that's come on this show has an approach like you. And I think it's really smart. I think it's really unique. And I love it. You know, it, It's great as an entrepreneur or as a capital raiser to have passive income, but diverse areas where it's coming from is so smart as well. Because hell, this business, I've pivoted probably five times since I've started it. And Something I learned early was you don't want all your money coming from one thing. Some can come from client projects, some can come from affiliate marketing, some can come from this. It's really smart to spread it out because when things happen or the market changes, you don't want to go to zero. You want to have so much in place that you can't go to zero. You know, so similar type of thing, but you're doing it on a much larger scale. So
1: I think it's really important to be able to look at yourself and say what skill sets do I have. That yeah. can actually help others. You know, we actually started a CFO service and bookkeeping company because we see the need out there for the financial side. There's me getting back into tax again. That's great. You know, no, I'm just I have other people that do that stuff for me now, of course. Yeah. I also have a real estate course. It's like a six month course on every aspect of investing for another income stream associated with it because I'm adding value in the ways that I know how to add value to other investors in different ways. Not just on the investing side. There's other people out there that understand tech to a an whole other degree and understand how to develop, you know, technology to help other investors. There's ways that people add value on the construction side or the asset management or operations management or deal structuring. There's so many ways to make money in real estate. It's crazy. And just take a step back and look at your own skill sets yep. and say, where can I fit in? and add value based on what I know I can do and what I love doing as well because, you know, I, this is another reason I couldn't do the tax and stuff. I can't talk to the IRS. There's no way I can help people on that side. I just knew that about myself already from the start. <laughs> love it,
0: man. Good stuff. All right. What simple marketing strategies and tactics have kind of let you have traction across these different models that you're focusing on? What's worked for you? So, and I think
1: this has been, you know, massively important
0: in the beginning. I was very, very,
1: I'd say sporadic where I would email out people. I'd go out and, you know, individual investors. I would go out and try to develop contacts in different ways and constantly doing manual outreach on a lot of these different strategies and not having necessarily a database of investors fully dialed in and things like that not being consistent on my different social media platforms. I've just recently dialed that in like crazy, and it's been massive for my success. For buying a bunch of single-family houses, we were basically doing a number of things. One, direct mail and pay-by-click marketing. Huge, except you shouldn't do it unless you have the back-end systems fully dialed in. It'll cost you a ton of money, and you won't have your follow-up systems, your sales scripts. You know, being able to have your capital stack ready to close on these deals immediately. There's a lot that goes into the backend system to make sure your front end systems are optimized correctly. So on the outreach side of things, we would do a lot of that on the single family fix and flip type business. That is one thing that you can do, but I wouldn't do those paid advertising methods until you have all your back end systems really dialed in. Some of the other things is just relationship development. Having a list of here's everybody in every category associated with real estate that sees distress, have a system of outreach to those different affiliate parties, CPAs, attorneys, lenders, appraisers, inspectors, contractors, having a list of all the people in the markets that you really want to focus on that you could have consistent outreach to and have the development of relationships to that you can focus a campaign on those particular people where you're adding value, adding value, asking for referrals, adding value, asking for referrals, consistently back to those people to get constant deal flow coming to you at all times. So you have the deal flow side of things and the outreach side and being able to Consistently go out there on the social media side and being able to think of your social media posts as as far as what pain points am I solving for your ideal client. So if I'm finding properties, for example, to fix and flip, what pain points am I finding for those clients? I'm helping them with take their financial position from here to here. I'm going through and being able to give them moving costs, getting them out of their negative situation and putting them into this situation over here. If you're raising capital, you're solving cash flow stream issues for them, helping them with tax mitigation issues. You're going through and helping them do due diligence and operational expertise on different investment types. There's a number of ways you can add value and get them through their pain points with their own personal financial situation, right? So their outreach programs need to be consistent and focus on the exact pain points that those different people have, as well as showing some information about yourself because really the social media campaigns, other than trying to get some lead generation as a place where people go to get to know who you are as a whole and get to know what you're all about and your personality and you know what you care about and your ethics and, you know, personal situation. And then in addition to the outreach, you have the back end systems, which you really helped us dial in on our side where, you know, it's an email campaign to capital investors, to people that are interested in taking our course, to people that are borrowers of ours that are, you know, interested in borrowing capital from us. First, a getting to know you campaign so that they start to get to know us. Then an outreach and a nurturing campaign to get them to schedule a call with you, to get to know you a little bit. And then it's a, you know, nurture to close type system where you are actually going through a methodical way of how you are going to outreach, you know, to these different potential clients of yours and stay consistent with it and constantly add value to them uh, across the board. So these are the strategies and the systems that we've been able to set up and dial in to be able to really get a lot more success and a lot more traction and organization with our own, uh, you know, internal needs and resource
0: development. Beautiful, man. You're not kidding. The, the power of the relationship and connecting with the right people for referrals is huge. It can change your whole business for sure. So right, it's been, right. Uh, massive for us as well. So good stuff. Oh, this will be interesting. A little curveball here for you, my friend. I hope you like curveballs. Nice what would you say the biggest mistake is or the biggest regret you've had so far in regards to the approach you took with marketing
1: so with with the marketing side of things it really came down to trying to do this myself i think and going out there and shooting and shooting and trying to learn how this stuff works you know online and through my own trial and error copying other people that are doing it wrong you know a lot of times and realizing oh wow that's not working they don't do that right spending thousands of dollars with the wrong people in the past and people telling me that they're going to get me on first page of google and all that stuff for x amount of money and you're like well what key terms and what does that do for me you know what's and then not tracking right not having my kpis dialed in on what is actually occurring what it's actually producing for me so i can look at a direct return on investment if you are not tracking your leads and exactly what you're producing out of your marketing, then don't market. There's no point because you don't know if you're making money or not at all with regard to those things. Especially if you talk about, you know, hey, buying single family homes, for example, if you're spending $5,000 per house on direct mail marketing, pay-by-click marketing and things like that and your back-end systems and your callers and all, all this kind of stuff on average but you're making $2,000 a house, just to give you a quick example, you're losing money, right? Every single month. And so if you don't have that dialed in, you don't know that. We've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars doing everything wrong like that and dialing that in to realizing, hey, wow, we're spending five grand a house and we're making 10 grand a house. Yes, that's great. But that is a crappy profit margin at the end of the day for having to do that much extra work on a project and so until you dial in your back end systems, you have your right KPIs in place, you know, don't do any marketing until you have your KPIs and you're tracking everything. I think those things and copying other people and not learning from the professionals and just spending money on the right people that can teach you the right ways of doing it is the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And something that I tell people a lot of times just to keep it simple, I'll say, hey, if you're trying to get past investors on the phone, and that's where your journey begins with them, and for most people it does, I say what what marketing efforts are getting calls booked with you? I thought about it. People will get like obsessed about stuff that doesn't matter. They're like worried about like the click through rate on the email or something to a point where it's unhealthy. And I'm like, are people booking calls from the email, or where are they coming from? So like, right. when book calls. I want to know. Okay, where are they coming from? And then when people close, then I really pay attention. Where they come from, and then you identify. Hey, these are my three hottest lead sources. So we're gonna keep dumping gas on that fire. Let that site right and tall. Like if your your business was for these people in our audience, it will be. But pay attention where your calls are coming from. What's getting those book calls? So when, we- yeah, I think that's
1: really really key. Knowing exactly your lead sources because you know you could be spending all this money in all these social media campaigns. And you're really only getting traction out of one of them. And so what's the point in spending all the money on the other ones? We had somebody post on TikTok about our lending business, and we ended up getting like 300 calls in, but it was also the wrong people, right? It was people going, hey, can I borrow money, dude? And you're like, well, you don't even have a property. You're not a real estate investor. They just want to borrow money. This doesn't work, you know? So, so at the end of the day, I think, you know, knowing that they're qualified leads also is really key. And then potentially even taking them through a qualification process before they get on the phone with you so that you're not wasting your time with a bunch of unqualified people. So as those leads come in, set up some sort of a qualification guideline to say, are they the right people that I'm exactly looking for first yeah. before you waste a bunch of time on, you know, educating. For me, a lot of times people come to me wanting free advice on taxes, free financial advice with no intent on investing at all. And so, or doing any, you know, business with us, they just want that free advice. And, you know, I I get caught up in it because I want to help people at the same time. Uh, sometimes you're like, no, like, I can't do that. You know, you can pay me for that. And as soon as they want to, they're like, oh, it's okay. You know, and you're like, okay, well, thanks. So you just you know, so you, you learn real quick, you, your time is the most valuable
0: thing. Oh, yeah, my wife walked in here the other day. She said, hey, uh, how many calls have we ever booked from our blog? And I was like, I don't know why. She's like, just, just think about it, zero. She's like, how many blogs have we published? And I was like, let me check. It's like 449. Like, That's a lot of money. I was like, it's a lot of money. She's like, let's not blog ever again. I was like, okay. And the reason why is because we're just dumping gas on what works. And then I, I said, I think I started blogging because another entrepreneur was like, it's just what well, you have to do. You have to. But when we look at, has it ever led to anything for us? No. Yeah. Right. No one has ever said, "Man, I saw this blog and I'm booked a call." Here I am. It, it doesn't doesn't flow that way. So why why are we going to do it? So we don't do that. Right. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah it, it might be good to have it up there. Uh, some of those articles for people for reputation purposes. But after that, you know, no. yeah, it, it definitely, you know, go get it
0: repurposed so it's easier to get done. Instead, yeah. We still have it all out there for SEO, but we're not making anything. Right. Uh, let me ask you this another curveball. Can you share a story about this journey with us right here, right now, that you've never shared publicly before? It can be anything you want. It can be funny. It could be sad, happy, whatever you want, brother. Yeah, no problem.
1: I, so, something not publicly, looking back, When we were losing everything in 2008, my brother and I are are our business partners. He, he owns a percentage of the company. I own a percentage of the company and we have the same personality and we both get stressed out the same way. Right. And we both want to tell each other to go F off sometimes, you know, and when everything is crashing around us and we're both losing everything at the time, it almost came to blows with us where we're ready to fight each other because of some of this stuff that's actually happening. And we're just like, oh my God, we're both reacting to the stress the same way until, you know, and it took time for us both to dial that back in and realize and take more hits in the future to regain that kind of emotional control to where both of us don't really react to these types of issues anymore. But in the beginning, you learn real fast, like, hey, you know, it's hard to do business with family sometimes. And especially if you're just candid with each other and you know, you don't want to hear it from your brother. Sometimes he still tells me certain things where I'm like, don't tell me that I don't want to hear it, you know, and, and it's more stubbornness than anything else. But you, you learn really quick about that emotional control aspect of things, especially when you're doing business with family, you know, taking a hit and going down, that's when you really see where that stress gets you, you know? So, you know, I stress out and a lot of people see, Hey, here's all the success out there. Here's the new investment I invested in. Here's this. They don't see the 14-hour days sometimes. They don't see the stress where I've dealt with 15 problems before noon on a Monday or the contractor that's not calling you back after you gave them the deposits and they're not performing anymore. And you know the mental stress and agony that you go through through doing that. A lot of people go out there and push all the fluff out there, you know, which is important as well to show people the success and be positive. But yeah. at the same time, There's a lot of mental anguish that you go through as an investor, as a business owner that people don't realize.
0: (laughs) Yeah, bourbon for breakfast is not, uh, that doesn't happen (laughs) for no reason, so. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, All right, so uh, if you were to give just one simple piece of advice for somebody getting started today as a capital raiser in regards to their marketing, what would it be?
1: So first, I think being very methodical. I think it's important before you even start marketing, before you start an investment strategy, to come up with what does your vision look like for that 10-year period out there, right? Where do you wanna be? And then where do you wanna be five years from now, three years from now to get to that 10-year goal, one year from now? There's a book called Traction that's absolutely amazing, Called talks about the Vision Traction Organizer and the Entrepreneur Ontr- Operating System that is really, really important to understand and dial in. But what it does is it breaks down your vision all the way down to your quarterly, to your monthly, to your daily activities that you need to be doing to get to that specific goal. And so a lot of times it comes down to those daily activities are marketing, right? It's, okay, well, I need to go and in order to get to You know, X amount of apartment units that are going to pay me $50 a month per unit times 2000 units to get me to my financial freedom goal, then I need to go and find deals. I need to go and market for capital. And so, what are you going to do on a daily activities basis to do that? You know, what specific action items are you going to take? to get that going on the marketing side every single day. If you're like, hey, I got to go raise $10 million or something or $2 million or $500,000 over the next you know month, then how many leads do you need to be talking to and what strategies are you going to use to bring those leads to you every single day so that you can get on the phone with 10 people a day every single day for 30 days, which is you know 300 people a month. To be able to get to an an estimated ratio of how much money you can get from each individual person based on a percentage basis, right? You're breaking down the math and saying, what do I need to be doing? That means I need this many leads coming in the door to be able to get to that level. And so, breaking that down first and seeing what your true needs are and how you're going to do it is. The most important thing that the, the, the book Think and Grow Rich" is right on the money when it comes to thinking first to yeah. then be able to grow rich is breaking that all down, yeah. and so that that way you can see a true vision of what your daily activities are. Because if you just say, "Hey, I need 2,000 units making me fifty dollars a month every single month to be able to be financially free," for example, then how do you? That seems crazy overwhelming all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's just, I can't do it. But if you slowly break it down into daily aspects, what you have to do every single day, all of a sudden it becomes surmountable where you're like, I can do that. I'll spend two hours a day extra every day doing this to get to financial freedom in five
0: years. You know, like that's amazing. Yeah, I hope people watching and listening really paid attention to what you just said because it's it's spot on. I, I reflect back on my own journey with what you said, and I remember setting these financial goals. First goal was like, can I get to five thousand a month in revenue? You know, part time, trying to figure this out, and then it was like, am I worthy? Is it possible? Type of thing. And then once you get there, like you say, to really scale, and you throw these numbers out there, if you don't have a plan that you say where well, your daily action leads towards it how are you going to get there? Like, what's the path that you you just kind of spin your wheels? So I really like, you know, the monthly average revenue, and then I'm starting to just glance a little bit at quarterly, but then, like, it breaks it down for me. All right, every day, these are kind of the big three things I need to hit. Sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't, but you, you know, you celebrate all forward progress. If you keep doing it, just like anything else, consistency is the king. So things can be achieved. Things can be done if you, you actually are willing to put in the effort to say, okay, what is the, where's the math? How much do I need to do? Like you're saying, you kind got to take the emotion out of it. It's a big theme to our show today, taking the emotion out of things, but it can be very powerful and you can realize that all of your income dreams are possible. Um, uh, there's gotta be a belief piece, but there's gotta be a plan, a data-driven plan as well. So, and, and that,
1: that data-driven plan really does set clarity for yourself and yes. helps you not feel like you have that imposter syndrome like, I've raised $150 million for real estate. And then over the next six months, I'm going to be raising like another 20 million. And I remember a couple of days ago, I was just a little stressed out going, okay, wait a minute, that's a lot of money to raise in this six month period of time. You know, how am I going to do that? And then I started going over my investor list and getting organized on who that's going to go out to and, and you know, my database and all that stuff and, and my plan of email sequencing and stuff like that specifically for those deals and all of a sudden, that stress just dissipated. Realizing, oh, okay, this should be relatively easy to do, you know, uh, in that period of time, if I'm organized and have this plan in place with the amount of people that I can reach out to, right? Yeah. And so, then and, and realizing too, everyone has that imposter syndrome. Like I've raised 150 million, I've 35 million lent out, I've flipped a thousand houses, and I still, am going, dude, I know, I know, do I know what I'm doing? Am I messing up? Like, do I, <laughs> am I just not? you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I still, you know, am I a crappy business owner? Like what, anytime you take a loss, you doubt yourself. And everyone goes through that and just realizing and knowing that you will doubt yourself sometimes and saying, no, push through. That's the way to success. As long as you don't give
0: up, you can't fail. It's not possible, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. I love your authenticity, brother. It's, you know, you're further down the road than me as an entrepreneur, but I can tell by things you're saying and sharing that we've, we've both been, uh, Hit on the chin more than once. It's good. It's a beautiful thing. And you know what? We'll get our asses kicked again. They're like it's not going to stop. So, but here's the difference. And I tell my wife and my kids this: I'm not scared to go back to the beginning. I'm not scared to go back because I've seen what I can do, and I can do this again. I know what my skill set is. and know where my values. That bring it on, life. If you want to drop me to my knees? Drop me. You know what I mean? You better cut my yeah. life. Otherwise, you, you realize if if you lost everything all over again and yep.
1: went down to zero, you're like. It's almost like, oh, wow, all that stress is gone now. Even yeah. though it's like a lot of work, everything you built, built, all your fear about losing everything is gone, yep. I have a clean slate to start doing exactly what I want anytime I want, not have any workload. Like, oh my goodness, you know, like initially, right? So yeah, don't get me wrong. It would be stressful, but at the same time, you can pick yourself back
0: up that much easier once you've yep. taken those punches in the past. Yep. So we are recording this show uh, the end of March, 2023. As you look forward through the rest of this year, what are you most focused on in your businesses? Honestly, starting to become more passive. So I'm
1: slowing down, like I mentioned, in a lot of the, the active activities on the single family side. I'm setting up the right asset managers. I'm raising a, multiple funds coming up pretty soon with my different investments that I'm doing and things like that, and I'm trying to actually invest a lot more in passive operations instead of being so active, really, so I can spend more time with the kids while they're little and you know, do the things that really matter in life instead of rate, you know, constantly focusing on the money side of things. And you know, I want to become better and better at that side. but really trying to shift all of my businesses to be much more passive, where I can focus on a few key things. To really grow those things and setting up the people to do those in uh in more depth than not having me pulled back in on some of these items so it's really systems automation outsourcing risk reducing activities that i think the bang for my buck isn't there anymore compared to what i really want to be doing in my life and and that's really what the focus is which is super exciting because time is the most valuable resource (laughs) yep can't get it back. If you need
0: money, will not buy you more of it. So, right, for it. right. For anybody listening or watching that wants to get more info from you or learn more about what you're doing, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, you can go to MatthewOwens.com, one T in Matthew. So, uh, MatthewOwens.com is where I have all of my different businesses set up and different ways of working with us. You know, like I said, we do lending, we have CFO and bookkeeping services, we have a course, we raise capital and help investors invest in all these different passive activities. We also have affiliate programs and ways that people bring us resources and make money with us. That's what's great about real estate is that everybody has resources and that means everybody can make money with us. Sometimes they don't know what those resources are, uh, but we can help them to understand what those are. A lot of times those resources are time and, you know, and being hungry, right? So, so those things are great, but yeah, you can go to matthewwons.com and find out all the information and. Also, follow us on social media in different ways. All the links are on matthewowens.com.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. This is a great episode. It's been uh, very unique compared to anything we've done so far, and I'm uh, glad it happened. Thank you. Nice. Thanks, man, for having me. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast-related, I encourage you strongly to go to REIMarketingStories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. REIMarketingStories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, Okay. Um, our guests today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you too, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser, you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out capitalraisingautomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.